Welcome to the Worship Leader Essentials Podcast brought to you by Worship Catalyst. We are here to help leaders learn how to do more with less. For more information or engage with us, please visit worshipcatalyst.com. We're so glad you're here today. Let's learn together. All right, thanks. Welcome to another episode of the Worship Leader Essentials Podcast, where we help you do more with less. And uh, this is a great treat we have today uh, to be sitting with a really good friend of mine who is, uh, I don't know, a really top-notch worship leader. He would never tell you that, but I would. And uh, this is Teddy Johnson. And I just want to just kind of lead into this by saying that Teddy, uh, you'll hear from him in terms of how long he's been doing what he's doing. But honestly, Teddy is a guy that a lot of worship leaders look up to. Okay. I mean, Teddy's one of these guys that when you, when you experience his worship leading, when you meet him one-on-one, uh, when you just kind of get who he is and what God's done in his life, he's one of those guys that a lot of people would look up to. And I know we have a lot to learn today from him. And I specifically want to spend time talking about his care and love for his team, because that is something that, stand, that Teddy stands out in. So let's just dive in here, Teddy. All right. Who are you? What do you do? What's your background, man? Well, hey, Austin. Thank you, first <laughs> of all, for uh, this opportunity. It's a privilege to just be able to chat with you and hang out with you. So I'm grateful cool. um, to have this opportunity. Um, so I am the, uh, my name's Teddy Johnson. I am the uh, lead uh, worship pastor for Hope Creative um, at Hope Church in Las Vegas. I've been here for 16 years at Hope Church. I've been in Las Vegas for 21 years. Right. Uh, from New Jersey. So I'm from the, the Philly, uh, South Jersey area. Um, and uh, I've uh, been actually in church ministry. I guess when I realized it was church ministry, um, uh, it was, I was probably about 16. I would, I would, I would probably say 17 when I realized that what I was doing was ministry. Right. Mm -hmm, And, and I was really engulfed in it at that time. And, but that's when it triggered that this is something that God has for my life. And, um, and it was something I was called to do. Um, but I actually started it prematurely at 12 years old. And that's when I first started playing in church and directing a choir. Wow. 12 years old, you were directing a choir? <laughs> at 12 years old. <laughs> my I was, goodness. I was directing the children's choir at my grandmother's church, but I didn't grow up in church. Okay. And so... You know, it, all of that was kind of new for me. I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't a regular church attender. My mom wasn't uh, a regular church attender. Um, actually, she would only come to church to when I was, you know, singing or, you know, at my grandmother's church doing something. And, and that would only happen when I would happen to be spending the night at my grandmother's house. Wow. And she would take me to church and I would end up getting involved doing something at Sunday school or with the choir or uh, they, they eventually signed me up to be an altar boy. And, and so it was a Methodist church. And so, so you knew you were a musician from early on. From early on. Yes. It was interesting in elementary school that, you know, people ask me all the time, when did you know you can sing? And I didn't think I could sing because I auditioned for the children's choir at my school when I was in the third grade and they didn't let me in. Okay. <laughs> and so I didn't think I could sing. But then the next year there was a school play play a musical that they did. And, um, I ended up getting the lead part. And wow. so then that kind of affirmed a little bit. And then I was in a talent show and then it just snowballed from there. All right. So you're, so you're a young guy 
and uh, learning how to direct choir and play <laughs> piano, all this kind of stuff, singing really, really well. You're 12, 13, 14 years old, kind of growing up in that. Did you come to faith in Christ through that worship experience or what? So actually, I remember, like I said a moment ago, I, they, they had me serving as altar boy. And um, so those Sundays when I would serve, and I probably did that less than a year, um, but it was it wasn't every Sunday. Um, it was a, kind of a rotation thing. And I remember sitting behind the altar and after maybe about the fourth or fifth time of serving as an altar boy and hearing the gospel and hearing, you know, about, you know, young people dying and going to hell and, you know, how we can invite Jesus into our hearts and, you know, have a relationship with him. Um, I heard that and I said, well, I want that, you know, and, and I didn't have anyone in my family to really give me any guidance or direction with that. Mm. But I remember now as an adult, as a seasoned believer, looking back on that moment, the Holy Spirit really captured my heart in that moment. And um, I got up from the chair behind the altar and went around to the front of the altar wow. and knelt at the altar mm. and had never seen that. I had never, you know, there weren't a lot of new converts in that church, you know, new believers. And, but um, uh, when he invited people to come to the altar, I came and I remember the church kind of went into uproar. And, you know, I remember seeing my grandmother crying and I'm thinking, what's <laughs> happening? You know, and, wow, uh, that's and yeah, awesome. so that's when I, I was saved and I was probably only about um, nine years old at that time. Yeah. Um, but then um, as, and didn't have any mentors or anybody to teach me what it looked like to live the life of a Jesus follower, to, to walk in Christ and to live in Christ. And, and until I was about um, 15 or 16. Okay. And, um, and at that time, you know, my music was really developing. I was playing a lot in schools and I had already been working with the children's choir, children's choir. And so it was around the age of 16 or 17 that I realized this is a call. This is yes. a lifelong journey mm. that God has started in me. And, and so that path from that day of kind of surrendering, you know, your your talent to Jesus, mm-hmm. um, what was the path that got you into being a, an actual worship pastor full time? So um, it's my my first my, getting my feet wet in ministry was I became at at the church that I and by the way when when I was sixteen is when I actually joined a church and got baptized. Okay, and so that's when I began to realize and un, fully understand what this ministry call was about. Right, um, and so my first. I guess introduction to ministry was um, when I became at the age of 22 or something like that, uh, the youth uh, pastor at, mm-hmm. at the church I was attending. It was probably a little older. I was probably a little older than that. And then, but that was bivocational. I was a teacher. I was actually a music teacher in the public school systems, uh, first in, in New Jersey and then here in Clark oh, County. Really? And so I taught at Desert Pines High School. I opened Desert Pines High School as <laughs> their first music and uh, vocal choir and orchestra teacher. Wow. And so I did that for three years. And yeah. then I transitioned for the first time into full-time ministry at Central Christian Church. Oh, okay. And that was um, as their men's pastor. 
Really? So I did that for a couple of years and then um, transitioned to um, on staff with their uh, worship department for a year. And then I I came here to Hope. When they hired you as a men's pastor, did they know that you had this musical ability inside you? Well, yes, because (laughs) I had actually been volunteering there. So I joined Central in 2000. Yeah. I joined there. So I was a member. I was volunteering, leading worship, singing, you know, on the team and and playing sometimes and all of that. In 2002, I joined the staff as the men's pastor. Okay. And then in 2004, um, I transitioned to worship team. And then in 2005, I came to I think that's a really important uh, thing to kind of think about because God called you at this young age into a lifelong worship leader thing. Mm -hmm. But man, you went through a lot of other stuff before that moment. And you were even offered a church job that wasn't the thing that you knew God had called you to. Yes. But you said yes, because it was just a part of that journey, that path to what God had called you to do. Yes. And God used um, that season of serving as the men's pastor to really, I guess, strengthen um, my pastoral care and my ability to shepherd people, um, which is equally important as my musical gifts and even more important than my musical gifts, um, because my musical gifts um, are only, I believe, impactful when um, there is some substance to that, you know, and that comes in the shepherding and what happens behind the scenes and how you care for people and for your teams when you're off stage, Yes, you know, and that makes, you know, what we do on stage, um, um, viable. It makes it, um, important. It makes it, um, have some substance, you know, that, and that's where I want to really spend some time talking, man, because you're, you know, this is your lane right here, caring for people, loving people and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, how many people, at Hope Church, do you have like on your creative arts teams combined? So uh, the Hope Creative team um, it incorporates music um, and production and um, communication. So so there there's several components of our team. Um, we have a and and you know forgive me I don't remember everybody's t- actual titles yeah. but <laughs> we have uh, three of us who are full time that are worship leaders but you know um, there are various components to our roles but we are the three primary worship leaders okay um, and there are. Um, we have our Hope Creative Assistant. We have um, uh, our production, um, or what I call our worship producer. Yeah. But um, he's over our production team. We have um, our uh, person that is over communication. And I feel like I'm forgetting. So, oh, then we have several part-time roles. Well, three, I think, part-time roles. And then how many, as well. and then how many people do you guys lead? How many non-paid kind of people are on the whole team? So our volunteers, um, we have about 180 volunteers Mm -hmm. that we lead. Yeah. And, um, and that includes our choir, that includes our band, that includes the, all of the production Mm -hmm. volunteers in every area. Sure. Obviously. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Sound, video, lighting, all that kind of stuff. All of that, yes. So when you think about that, um, a lot of people know you, Teddy, as a guy that loves people, right? Just like Teddy is a perfect name, right? (laughs) Teddy Bear, you know, big hug. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, yes. And so have you always been like that where you really love people or is that something that, you know, God did in your life later or what? So I, I, I think both. Um, it, it, um, it became a significant part of who I am later in my development um, after knowing Christ and after understanding my call. Uh, but I think there is, is a, a big part of that that was kind of wired into me because my mom, um, I'm my mom's only child. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, you know, we're kind of monsters in and of ourselves, yeah. all these, these only children, <laughs> kids, you know? Right. And uh, so she was very, she was a very lovable mom and my dad had a very amicable character. And so, you know, I think, you know, I, I kind of got some of that naturally, but then um, one of the scriptures that, um, that I think really impacted my life early on as a believer is, you know, when Jesus was asked the question, what is the, what is the greatest commandment, you know? And his response was, you know, uh, the, the, the first is to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like unto it. And that is to love your neighbors yourself. And so uh, this kind of has, has directed, I think, the course of my life in every area in general. And, you know, it's interesting because I was just talking to my team a couple of weeks ago and I told them that, you know, it is my prayer that it would be, you know, when, when all is said and done, you know, and, and you guys are at my memorial service or whatever, you know, that that it could be said of my life that uh, that I accomplished two things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if these two things are accomplished, then, you know, it it it. My prayer is that the Lord would say, well done now, good and faithful servant, because I believe it's these two things that matter. And that is that I um, loved God and that I loved people. Amen. Yeah. You know, and and that was his, you know, that according to Christ is um, the the most important thing that we could do um, and focus on throughout the trajectory of our lives to love God and to love people. And if we do that well, um, I believe we've reflected and expressed um, his love and his glory through our lives. So sometimes if you have 180 people on the team, uh, maybe some people don't always act lovable yeah. or make good choices yeah. or whatever. Maybe they're prideful. Maybe they're disunifying those things. Yes. So how do you keep loving solid yeah. when there's people that are not acting lovable? Yeah. So, so <laughs> yes, there are, there are several, um, People that we're not naming encounter. names today or anything <laughs> like that. We're not naming names, <laughs> but there are several people, and, and to a degree, I guess all of us um, just require a little extra grace depending on the season that we're walking through and, and you know, what we may be experiencing at the moment. I think everybody has that, you know. Um, but yes, there, there, there are people that more often than others um, require a little more grace. And, you know, I'm just always reminded that, you know, God's grace is sufficient for not only me. <laughs> <laughs> but for all of us. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting um, that very, very early on, a long time ago, I think I learned the importance of, you know, making an effort while you are relating to people and um, trying to um, uh, show compassion toward people that you attempt and this is not easy, but but 
I think we should always attempt to see people the way God sees them. Yes. To see them through his eyes. And so I'll ask a question. And I actually got this from Oprah Winfrey, who is not a believer. <laughs> but she, she said something that was kind of profound for me. And that is, and, and, it, and it helped me understand this kind of philosophy that I, that I live by um, in, a, in a different way. And, and what she said was, you know, instead of, looking at at maybe someone's behavior or their attitude and saying, you know, what's wrong with them? You know, um, we should always ask the question, what happened to them? Yeah, that's a good one, man. You know, and and so when I see people and when I see, you know, behaviors that are off or attitudes or whatever, I always my my heart and I've always done this even before I heard Oprah say that. But it just kind of opened my eyes to how I'm wired. And that is I just always just internally ask that question, like what happened? There is a reason that led them to respond the way they do, behave the way they do to that demeanor, that attitude. And then everything within me wants to serve them and wants Mm. to reach out to them and wants to love them more when they are less lovable. Yeah. You know, one thing that we talk about with uh, with worship leaders all the time is that it's really important for us to know where somebody's from. Like everybody on our team, where they're from, what their family dynamic is, what their job is, who mm-hmm. their kids are, mm-hmm. what their past hurts are, yeah. what what caused them to come to your church instead of somebody else's, mm. what made them leave another church if they did, if they didn't come to faith in yours. Yeah. All those things, because in a moment, whatever I'm saying is not just uh, is not just what I'm thinking right now. But it's all of this other stuff that I've brought to this comment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is it kind of what you're saying right there? And so um, I think that I think our tendency is probably to just get defensive or frustrated Mm -hmm. when somebody does or says something. But I I love that. I love the way. And I'm sorry that it's Oprah that said it. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's the sad part. But, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good, man. I love that, Teddy. That's so good. Especially creative people. You know, I think a lot of times have, they don't have compartments in their lives maybe as much as others. It's kind of a little bit of a jumbled mess. Yep. Have you seen that? In- yep. Yep. I've seen it. And I, I have that. I, yeah. I've experienced that. <laughs> you are I, that. I, get, I am that, right? That jumbled <laughs> mess. It's kind of all over the place and thinking in a hundred different directions at, at every moment, at every turn. And yeah. and yet, you know, and and and. Because of that, we need people like Shireen and like, you know, we need we need people who who are a lot more structured and organized that can help us, you know, um, express our gifts in a way that are going that will be um, that will help, you know, our team members and to help to move forward uh, what we're, we're trying to accomplish. So let's get a little bit more practical here. Um, how do you guys or you specifically or your team foster uh, foster love and unity as a team? So, you know, we have uh, many things that we do to to really establish. And, and some of it's natural. I, I really can't even tell you how we do a lot of it. But um, this team that we have now is more of a family than any team at any church that I've ever served at. And it is um, it's amazing how um, how much uh, the people on our team genuinely love each other and serve one another and come together in times of crisis. Matter of fact, I got a text just yesterday. Our choir hasn't met 
in over a year, you know, since before the pandemic. And I just got a text yesterday from seven um, ladies in our choir. They weren't even in the same choir small group. They were in, there were a couple of sopranos. I saw a couple of altos in this picture and they all went out to dinner yesterday and just hanging out different backgrounds, different ethnicities, you know, different cultures. And yet they are all sisters. I'll, I'll show you the picture when we're finished. Okay. Um, but um it's interesting that, you know, and, and as you know, Hope Church is a very, you know, di- diverse church. Our choir is very diverse, you know, um, racially and, and, and ethnically and culturally. And we celebrate that. So we don't just kind of ignore it. Every year we get together and we have a big uh, dinner that we call the Celebration of Cultures. And, you know, everybody in the choir is a potluck. And so mm-hmm. all the choir members Oh, that's cool. For whatever their background their is. Yeah. yeah. And so um, we do that every year the week before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And um, but one, you know, I, I think there are just little things that we do as we go. We always celebrate birthdays. So every month okay. we're celebrating. We have the people come up. We sing happy birthday to them. We hug them, you know, uh, give them a card a little something, you know, that we sign. And um, so we make big, big deals and create opportunities to celebrate um, each other, you know, for whatever that we each week we have a a member of the week in both uh, in all of Hope Creative. So we have, you know, we will highlight someone in production or someone in um, the, the vocal team or the band or the choir. And we just get to know a little bit about them. We encourage families to serve together. And so we have a lot of family units to serve. But there are, you know, just a lot of little things that we do in addition to that, like, you know, when it's a new when it's the start of a new season. You know, and we have a new person on the team, you know, um, you know, we'll have a, 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 a new member orientation and my wife and a couple other leaders will be meeting with the new people that are about to join the team. And there'll be a room, you know, maybe of of, you know, 10, 15 new people that are joining. And then I'll be with the rest of the team in another room and I'll tell them, you know, every, every year I'll tell them, you know, okay, when these people come in the room, I want you to make a big deal about them. I want you to fight over them. I want, you know, when they come in, you know, you, you, I want you ripping them apart. One person on one arm, one person on one arm. No, come sit next to me and just really make a big deal about them. And so they've learned that's kind of become the culture Mm -hmm. when we invite new people in of how we embrace them. And so from the beginning, people are feeling welcome and inviting and, and I tell them to overdo it because you know if, if if when you don't and when you don't make a big deal about that and when the the warmth and the love isn't expressed as a priority from the beginning then you kind of lose it and we naturally all of us kind of resort to just our own little cliques and the people that we're comfortable with and we stay in our little silos yeah. and then that creates the opposite kind of environment to what you want when you are trying to establish a loving, warm and friendly kind of atmosphere. Yeah, that's awesome. I love some of those things where you really have trained your current people to welcome the new people with like audacious welcoming, you know, man, thank you so much, Teddy. And we're going to continue this amazing conversation about caring for your team and creating a culture uh, in part two next week. Trust me, you do not want to miss the end of our discussion together. So thanks for joining us for another episode of the Worship Leader Essentials podcast. We're here to help you do more with less. We'll see you next 